Hi, everyone, and welcome to this second podcast with Jane Lehman and Kiralee Chambers on the impact of COVID-19 on people with diabetes, following their recent webinar on the, on the topic. Note of Nordisk have sponsored both the webinars and podcasts. My name's Jan Orford, and I'll be your host today. And I would like to introduce our two guests, Kiralee Chambers and Jane Lehman. Kiralee graduated from the University of Technology in 1993 with a Bachelor of Pharmacy. In 1999, she completed an advanced diploma in nutritional pharmacy, and in 2005, completed a graduate certificate in diabetes education from Curtin University. Kiralee joined the team at Diabetes South Australia as a diabetes educator in July 2008 and worked with an extensive allied health team before leaving to set up a private practice in the Adelaide Hills in 2012. In January 2009, she became the first credentialed diabetes educator and accredited pharmacist in Australia. Kiralee's passion is insulin pump therapy, insulin initiation and titration, and mental health in chronic health conditions. It is because of this passion and awareness around the use of language and diabetes that she won the Jan Baldwin National Credential Diabetes Educator of the Year in 2016. Kiralee was also awarded the UTS Innovative Pharmacy of the Year Award in 2018. Jane Lehman draws on 35 years of working with people with diabetes to present practical and relatable presentations. Multi-skilled as an author, blogger, clinician, educator, innovator, social media commentator, mentor and researcher, Jane has a broad base of experience. Her pioneering work with people with diabetes and intellectual disability has created new services, strategies, resources and education programs for people with intellectual disability and their support workers. Jane was the 2017 CDE of the Year in South Australia and was awarded Honorary Life Membership of the Australian Diabetes Educators Association in 2018 for her outstanding and innovative contribution in the diabetes and disability sectors. She and Kiralee also present the popular P2 Diabetes Chat podcast on all things diabetes. Today we'll be discussing how COVID-19 has impacted on the diabetes management of people with diabetes and the strategies proving to be helpful in getting people through sick days associated with the coronavirus. The learning objectives for the podcast include, one, to describe the impact of COVID-19 on the health and wellbeing of people with diabetes. Two, to explore the role of insulin and analogues in sick day management. Three, to state the role of a sick day plan for people with diabetes. And finally, to list the items required in a sick day kit for a person injecting insulin. Hello, Kiralee and Jane. How are you both today? Oh, good. Well done on getting through that enormous introduction. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you've been very busy folk over a long period of time. It's great. Thank you again yes. for coming. Uh, Jane, I might start with you, and I wonder if you can tell us about the impact COVID-19 has been having on the health and well-being of people with diabetes. Thank you, Jan. Yes, I think it's been having an enormous impact because of the need for so many people to self-isolate. 
uh, with diabetes and also the isolation that comes from that. Many people have uh, not been doing as much exercise as usual. They're working in different environments as well. And they're also, from what we hear of a lot of the research, people are generally eating more high calorie foods at home during this period of uh, change. And so there's not only the lifestyle impacts of stress, diet, diet and exercise, but also people haven't been seeing their doctors as much. And we know that there's been about a 40% decrease in glycosylated haemoglobins being done uh, at pathology services. And so I guess the Matt, we can expect that a lot of people's um, diabetes management, their blood glucose levels have probably increased and they may not have had the extra input from their health professionals in order to correct those changes. So when you add to that as well, the media that has covered the COVID-19 risks for people with diabetes, there's been a lot of fear of people with diabetes that they're at higher risk of getting this condition. Uh, and so that has also caused a lot of problems with all of the different headlines. Thanks for that, Jane. We did touch on this last time, but so just to recap, I guess, do people with diabetes have a higher risk of contracting the coronavirus? Um, if so, could you give us an understanding of the impact on somebody with diabetes who contracts it? And would it be helpful if you could tell us if people with diabetes are at risk, greater risk of developing complications if they contact coronavirus than people without? So I think some of the headlines have been a little misleading because people with diabetes aren't at higher risk per se. However, the consensus statement that has been published in The Lancet by uh, Bornstein et al. Uh, in April has identified that about 20 to 50% of people in the pandemic had diabetes up to this point. Now, what's likely is that they have uh, either, once they've got the condition, been more likely to present into hospital because the impact once someone contracts the coronavirus is that the glucose levels rise considerably because there's an increased need for insulin in the body through insulin resistance with this virus more than anything else that we've seen in the past. So I guess that we also have a group of people with diabetes who are older, so they have an increased risk for that. Obesity, tick, increased risk for uh, coronavirus and also um, with issues like cardiovascular disease. So once someone with diabetes gets uh, the coronavirus, their risk for other associated problems increase and especially if their glucose levels are not being well managed within the target levels. And we know from the discussions we all have around um, insulin and therapeutic inertia that over 50% of people's levels are not at target before we even begin what happens if they contract the coronavirus. Yeah, so the real issue is that uh, if you've got glucose levels that are higher, then you are more at risk, but having diabetes per se doesn't make you at high risk. 
Thank you for clarifying that for us, Jane. Kiralee, I wonder if you could give us an example of the way insulin analogues can be helpful in the management of, of a person's diabetes if they have the coronavirus, please. Certainly, Jane. So as Jane has already uh, spoken about, when people with diabetes possibly get coronavirus, one of the things that has occurred in some of the consensus um, studies has been that they're more likely to build insulin resistance, more so than what they do if they get any other virus, say, for example, influenza virus. Now, along with that, what we also see, of course, is that they have to come off of some of their other medication because they're at risk of things like with metformin, lactic acidosis or the SGLT2s, they are at increased risk of things like diabetic ketoacidosis. So what, of course, one of the greatest medications to reduce um, blood glucose levels is, is insulin. And so we have a range of insulin analogues available to us now for helping people reduce their blood glucose levels. So the uh, best thing that we can help uh, do for people with diabetes is to practice person-centered care. So what we have is a range of insulins available to us, whether that's basal bolus regimes where people have flexibility in their lifestyle, or perhaps it's one of the newer ones, which um, is the riser eggs, which have um, the ability for them to have greater freedom of lifestyle, if you like, but a reduced um, ability or reduced problem with nocturnal hypoglycemia. And that's because each of the components of the insulins uh, can work independently of each other. And that's the great thing about the newer um, riser egg, which is a co-formulation. So it doesn't matter to, I don't believe, the healthcare professional which possibility of the insulin analogues the person chooses as long as they understand um, why they're choosing that and how the insulins work and that we have lots of variety now available to us um, for moving forward with the um, insulins and the treatment options. And some of the options mean less injections too. Correct. So with Rizodag, you get the once a day with both insulins in it. But if you were doing basal bolus, you'd have to have two injections. So for some people, especially with being able to do uh, this sort of thing simply when it's during a period of time when people are already stressed, um, it, it just depends on what's going to work the best for them. Great. Thank you for that from both of you. Uh, Kiralee, again, what role does a sick day plan have in the management of a person's diabetes if they can contract the coronavirus? Oh, I think one of the biggest um, roles that the sick day plan has is um, helping a person um, to plan uh, in advance if they do get the coronavirus. So Jane and I talked about this at length um, at the, on the webinar. I think it's very important that every single person with diabetes has a sick day management plan. And what that involves is a person knowing who and when to contact uh, their healthcare professionals and also a support person when they potentially are unwell. It also sets th things like um, what to do if their blood glucose levels are elevated, what to do with their medication, again, things like metformin and SGLT2s, and if they are on 
uh, insulin, um, what to do with their insulin doses if they're vomiting or they have diarrhea or they're not able to eat or if their levels are elevated. And also what things are included in their sick day management plan like ketone monitoring, glucose monitoring, who to contact with respect to let them know that they're unwell, when they should potentially go to hospital. And it allows for pre-planning. So when they should look to be contacting people when they're unwell. It also has things like, um, should they be taking paracetamol? Should they be taking Nurofen? When they shouldn't take paracetamol, like if they're on continuous glucose monitoring and what they should take as an alternative. So it allows for a person with diabetes to have extra confidence um, in when they're unwell and what to do about that instead of them ending up um, running around or not running around because they're too unwell um, and panicking and then landing themselves in um, quite significant trouble. Thank you for that. Um, I obviously didn't hear the webinar this morning, but I understand during that webinar you discussed a case study and an individualised sick day kit. I was wondering what you would include in the kit for people with type 1 diabetes at the moment, in particular to anything other time, I guess. So the case study that we did was actually a person with an intellectual disability. We decided to make it a bit more complicated so that we could look at things from a broader point of view. So when you have someone uh, who's being supported with their care as well and they have type 1 diabetes, there's a whole lot of other things that we would probably not always think of that goes into the sick day plan. Um, and so for each person, it has to be around their unique circumstances and also needs to be written down in a language that is easy for that person uh, and the person who will be putting it into action understands. And so there was the normal stuff around uh, that Kiralee was talking about before with uh, the different foods to uh, be able to eat depending on whether the glucose level is above or below 15 millimoles per litre, um, how often to check glucose levels, how often to check for ketones, what to do in response to both of those um, issues. The other thing we suggested that should be in a kit is a thermometer and especially with the coronavirus, taking a temperature has been really important and uh, we should be checking if people know how to do that and how to interpret the numbers mm. because often people don't know. There's also, um, especially with people who are being cared for by support workers, with the coronavirus, we know that people are going to have to stop certain medications, their insulin requirements are going to increase and there's a really good likelihood that they're going to need to go on to insulin. And so working out what some of the challenges are with that when you've got support workers who have no health training at all and what might be possible to put that into action if it was required really uh, quickly. The other sorts of things were to make sure that your equipment is in date and to have hypoglycemic treatments available, making sure that they get restocked if they're being used, who to contact, so phone numbers and the people and when to contact those people, especially around um, ketone uh, checking. 
were also really important. What else, Kelly? Have we missed something? Uh, oh, extra supplies, I think, was the other one that we uh, probably didn't mention today, but you've kind of mentioned it. So um, especially if they're on insulin pump and also blood glucose monitoring extra supplies around that as well. Yeah, making sure that you've got enough if you're stuck at home because you're sick, um, not leaving it too late to get your... Um, new insulin-associated insulin equipment from the NDSS. Yes, um, and needles, etc. Yeah, and taking into account continuous glucose monitoring and using that as well as blood glucose monitoring at times. Yeah, thank you both for that. Um, I guess the only other thing I was going to ask you is what sort of resources can health professionals look to to guide them in understanding of diabetes and COVID-19 and sick day management? Because it's obviously slightly more complex. It is, and I think the coronavirus has certainly <laughs> made it a lot more. Because, extra complexity. Yeah, every, every, every sick day management plan really should be giving specific advice around the coronavirus now, which we haven't had to do in the past. Um, the National Diabetes Services Scheme have got sick days information for people with type 1 and type 2 diabetes. So certainly on the NDSS website, uh, the Australian Diabetes Educators Association are going to be releasing their new sick day guidelines soon. And so uh, that will be really good to be able to see what is the current recommended practice uh, in this area as well. The Royal Australian College of GPs sick day guidelines and template has also recently been released and that's available on the RACGP website. And if you just Google any of those words, more than likely you'll find it on your favourite uh, browser. Uh, however, the other thing is that the evolving information around the COVID-19 situation is coming more from consensus statements at the moment because the evidence base wouldn't have been created yet. So if you are looking for more information, the must read, I think, for every professional who works with anything to do with diabetes is this Lancet published uh, personal view article called Practical Recommendations for the Management of Diabetes in Patients with COVID-19. And that has had a global combination of professionals in diabetes and endocrinology providing their consensus input from what they're seeing on the ground. So uh, that was published online April 23, 2020, um, and that was The Lancet. Thank you, Jane, and thank you to both of you for once again for, for your time today. It, and it's really been great to catch up with it's, as I said to Jane earlier, it's uh, the one opportunity I often get to catch up with people. So lovely to talk to you both today. Also, thank you to both to Novo Nordisk and, and thank you to listeners for taking the time to listen to this podcast. To obtain CPD credit for the podcast, please go to the ADA Learning Management System at learning.adea.com.au and complete a feedback evaluation. And until next time, goodbye. Chat soon.